So like I said, I want to talk about joy today, the gift of joy that's often associated with Christmas because of this passage, really. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Because Christmas, really, I think, I believe that the story of Christmas, the act of Christmas, the miracle of Christmas is all about bringing joy to those who otherwise would live in misery. This is the main thing. The main thing in life, the main thing in God's work in our life is to bring us joy. The purpose of all, you know, we think of just, just of life in general, the purpose of all of our striving, all of our struggling, all of our work, all of our effort, all the things that we pursue, existentially speaking, is somehow, some way, the things that we do hopefully will make us happy. You know, different people find joy in different things. You know, some people find joy through exercising. Some people find joy through eating. You know, but every, everybody's got their own, uh, their own way. But it's the purpose of all the things we pursue in life. You know, the purpose of love and relationships is somehow through those relationships, through finding love to find joy. The purpose of pursuing success or trying to make money, that through professional success, through material success, maybe some of those things will give us joy. The purpose of gaining power and fame, the purpose of everything we seek, really, if existentially that doesn't make us happy or give us joy, what's the real purpose of it? You know, another way to put it is if you got everything that this world has to offer you and everything you pursued actually happened except for you actually becoming a happy person, would that really be worth it? I mean, I know probably a lot of you have bosses who have everything that it seems like the world could happen and that they're miserable people and you look at them and you say, boy, I don't want that, that life. But a, a life of joy is actually what God came to deliver. And C.S. Lewis puts it this way, that it seems that God finds our desire for joy not too strong, but too weak. We're like half-hearted children who are more content to play with mud puddles, make mud pot, make mud puddles, make mud puddles. I don't use these words, but he does. Make mud puddles in an empty lot because we have no concept of what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the seashore. And so often what happens with us in our life is we ignore what God offers us because we content ourselves or we pursue lesser joys rather than realizing that, that eternal joy is offered to us. So I think what God wants all of us to do is to figure out what will give us ultimate and, and eternal joy and then pursue that with all of our heart. So it's the main thing, but it's also the missed thing. The universal experience, I think, as we go through life and as we attain things, and particularly if we're successful in attaining, you know, the family we want and the career we want and buying the stuff that we want, as we get that stuff, is that along the way we say, well, why isn't these, why aren't these things making me happy? Why aren't the, the things I'm earning, the things I'm achieving, the things I'm purchasing, the things I'm, I'm, I'm accumulating? Why aren't these things in and of themselves making me happy? And sometimes, you know, it seems like the things that would really make you happy are not available to you, you know, that, that you're on the outside looking in and everybody else, you ever feel like this? Everybody else is enjoying life, but somehow 
you're just kind of stuck in the slaw of despond and you know everybody else is happy with their friends and in their relationships and you feel so alone everyone else is getting promoted in their job and you're kind of stuck being underemployed in a job that you hate or everybody else is living a fabulous life and and your idea of fabulous is microwave dinners and netflix all night you know <laughs> it's uh, you know, it, it's hard because I, I think all of us have this experience of setting our hearts on things and then they just don't happen. And part of that is because we set our hearts, not, none of us wants really medi mediocrity or just, just a mundane life. We all, we all, at some level, want something fabulous. Little boys who are shooting hoops in the park don't just want to don't, don't just want to grow up to be middle-aged men who are shooting hoops in the park. They dream of glory, you know, of making it to the NBA. And then one day, most of them realize they're not going to the NBA. You know, little girls dream of, of dressing up like princesses and, and being living in a castle. And then one day, they find themselves in a little apartment with someone who's less than a prince, and they're like, what, what happened to my life? <laughs> Not mentioning any names, but <laughs> but uh, but you know this is this is the ground note of life. This this idea of, of disappointment, of desires that are unsatisfied, and the slow drift of promises that don't deliver. You know, we set our hearts on things, and then we can't get them, and so life becomes this kind of disappointment. We wonder how can we ever have joy. And the only other thing that's worse than that is sometimes we set our hearts on things and we do get them and they fail to deliver the joy, the happiness, the satisfaction, the security that we're looking for, whether that's a particular job, a particular relationship, particular things. You know, the, that universal discovery of all people at some point that you get everything you ever wanted and it's just not enough. And so I think in human life, there's this ground note of disappointment that, that the heart longs for something that nothing in this world can provide. No, no success, no love, no purchase really moves the needle. And so at some point, you reach middle age and uh, you just kind of accept your mundane and boring life and say, I guess this is all this is. But there's, some, there's something sad about that, you know, because we're made for great joy. We're made for great glory, and that's what we're supposed to be looking for. That's what we're supposed to be working for. That's what we're supposed to be hoping for, and we shouldn't be satisfied with anything less than that. And that promise here is that's exactly what Jesus came to deliver. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a city, a, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So that's, that's, that's what Jesus came to deliver, the very longing of our hearts he came to satisfy. And the amazing thing here is, is it's a global offer. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Jesus is saying there is a joy that's available to everybody, to tall people and to short people, for, to American people and to, and to people in other nations. A, a joy that is universally available. I think some, sometimes when we look at life, it seems like, well, it's only the rich people or the talented people or the beautiful people who can really get the things that, that we want in life. But Jesus says he came to offer us a joy that is for all people, 
regardless of your age, regardless of your health, regardless of your background, regardless of what your future likes, looks like, there's a joy that is, that is offered, that is available to you. And, and this is a, an interesting thing to think about because I think so often when we think about the things that will make us happy, there's kind of exclusive types of things. You know, you get a job, but you realize there were five other finalists for that job and, and they went away disappointed because they didn't get that job. Or you get admitted to a, a exclusive academic program, but you realize nine out of ten of the people who applied to that program were denied, and so your joy is, is at their expense. Um, or you win a contest, you win a game, you win the Super Bowl or the World Series or whatever it is, but your joy is just there because someone else lost. And, and so even as we feel like so many, so many things we're excluded from, you know, there's some joys that are only for the young, and then some joys that they, they, they tell you when you're young, well, when you're older, you'll get to experience this. What I've found since I've been both young and old is that uh, you're always too young until you're too old. And it's just like you're, you're never just right. But, uh, but the amazing thing about what Jesus is offering here, good news, or the angels proclaim, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That's not a respecter of our social status or our personal status or or what we are, what we can do, or even our religious status, it's a gift that's offered to us. And this was remarkable in Jesus' day uh, because the Israelites, the people of Israel that Jesus came, that Jesus was a part of, they were waiting for a Messiah who would come and liberate and, and restore the fortunes of the nation of Israel. And now the angels come and they say, well, the Messiah has come, the Christ has come, the one you're waiting for has come, but he's not just here to restore Israel, he's here to bring good news for all people. He's here to bring great joy for all people. And, and so here the angels are, are already, already prophesying, already promising that Jesus' salvation, Jesus' restoration, the, the gift that Jesus offers is is bigger than anybody could, could conceive. Uh, the, the nation of Israel thought of their message and the blessing of God on them as a zero-sum gain. They were going to be elevated and they were going to be able to crush all of the nations around them. But the angels say, no, the, the blessing of Israel, the Messiah coming to Israel is actually going to bring good news, great joy for everybody. Who, who comes. And so that's good news for us, because I think most of us probably aren't of Israelite origin, and, and yet the promise is that we can make him our joy. Nobody is excluded from this. Really, the question for you and for me is, where are we going to find our joy? What are we going to look to for our joy? And the promise of the angels is that this is a global joy that everybody is invited into to it. The joy that Jesus offers doesn't shut out the rich or the poor, the educated or the uneducated, the young or the old, the moral or the immoral, the Gentile or the Jew, the, more, the religious or the irreligious. It's an offer, a gift that's offered to anyone who will accept it. So it's a global thing. And the, sec the next thing I want you to see is it's a news thing. The angels are t 
are, are proclaiming news. They're talking about something that's happening in, for, in their moment as a current event, but for, in our moment as a historic event. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So he's talking to, to these shepherds who are out in the, out in the hills uh, outside of town. And he's saying, back in the village, back in Bethlehem, which was kind of a suburb of Jerusalem, in the, known as the city of David, because that's where King David originally came from. Back in Bethlehem, a baby has been born, and this baby changes everything. Even though it wasn't something that happened existentially in the shepherds, even though they were still shepherds, they were still out there in the, in, the, in the fields watching sheep, their circumstance hadn't changed, and, and nothing crazy had happened to them personally. The birth of this child actually changed everything. See, the good news of the gospel, the good news that brings great joy, isn't, is not an experience or a rule or a ceremony or, or, or something we do. It's news that we embrace. It's news that we believe. It's the story that God has entered into history. And if I had to boil down, you know, I guess there's, there's a lot of ways to look at this, but one of the ways to say, how is Christianity and the Christian message unique among the religions of the world? One of the ways you can articulate that is that Christianity is a faith that's based not merely on teachings or ideas, but on God entering into life, entering into this world, and doing certain things. And our whole faith is based on the acts of God and in intruding into life in this world. And, and that's why our, think of the holidays, how, how the holidays that we celebrate as Christians, how those are so connected to Christian doctrines. At Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Christians do. And that, that's, that's actually a celebration of the doctrine of the Incarnation. The incarnation that God became man and walked among us and lived among us and 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 Christians believe in a in that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. So at Christmas we celebrate the birth of God in, into um, in this world. On Good Friday we remember the the death of Christ on the cross in space and time in history and also the doctrine of the atonement, that all of our sins are paid for by Jesus on the cross, and that our relationship with God is not based on the sacrifices we make to God, but based on the sacrifice that he offered to us. And then on Easter, we remember, we celebrate the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, and the doctrine of the resurrection that God has defeated death and he's in the process of making all things new, and one day, we, our, our lives will be made new through the power of the resurrection. The Christian faith is all about God entering into history. It's a news thing, not so much an experience or anything of that sort. And so it was outside of the shepherds. The angels came to them and said, hey, back in Bethlehem, this baby has been born, and he is the Messiah. He's the one that you've been waiting for, and, and it would and their understanding that their grasping of that would bring great joy to them. And for us, it's a little further away, but it's still outside of us. 2,000 years ago, several thousand miles from here, 
in the city of Bethlehem, a baby that was, was born, and that baby is the Christ, the Son of God, and the Son of Man. And that changes everything. That's the circumstance that defines us as Christians, and that's, that's the reason we can have joy even when our circumstances stink, even when our job situation is rough, even when our financial situation is difficult, even when our health is failing us and our family is in a difficult spot, even in the midst of those difficulties, we can have hope, we can have joy, we can have confidence because the baby was born on the very first Christmas, died to take away our sins on the very first Good Friday, and conquered death for us on the very first Easter message of Christianity, the heart of the message is that God has entered into the history of the world, and because God has entered into the history of the world, God will enter into your story as well. And, and God is at work in your story. Because of the incarnation, we know that he is with us, and he understands what we're going through because he went through it too. Because of the atonement, we know that he is for us, even in spite of the ways we've fallen short and messed up. God is for us. He gave his son for us. And because of the resurrection, we know that he is one. The res you know what the resurrection means? It means that ultimately, every tragedy that we experience in our life will be reversed. No greater tragedy than for a father to lose a son. But the son of God died and then conquered death. And so the tragedies that we experience, the tragedies that are an inevitable part of life in this world, ultimately will be redeemed and will be reversed by the God who raised Jesus from the dead. So this news changes everything. And the, and the Christian message, the Christmas message, is that there is good news in the midst of the tragedy, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the heartache that you and I are dealing with right now. And thirdly, it's a, it's a gift thing. He says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. He's talking about something that is a gift. You know, and the reason the, reason the Christian message, the Christian hope, the message of Christmas should lead to joy is because we remember our relationship with God is based on a gift. It's not something we earn. Now, I think m most of you, many of you, are are in the position where you you're, you uh, expect to receive a paycheck probably every two weeks. And you know, it's pretty exciting the first couple times, but after a while, you're just like, oh, better just check the account. Oh, the transfers been made. Okay, good. I can pay the rent this month again. And um, and, and you know, it's just something you kind of take take for granted. It doesn't really get you excited that just, that Today is payday. Hopefully you don't get too excited about that because it means you're probably making some poor life decisions if, if, you're, <laughs> if you're holding your breath till payday. But, uh, but, uh, but imagine this. Imagine that a, a memo went out on payday for your company and the boss said, I mean, this is purely imaginary because this actually wouldn't happen, but, but you can imagine it. The boss said, you know, our company's doing so well and we want to reward the people who make it do well, so this month we're going to give everybody an extra month's pay, just, just because. 
Now that, that would be kind of exciting. If that memo hit, all of a sudden you'd hear cheering all around the office, right? Everyone would be, would be all enthusiastic about the, the, the sudden inexplicable generosity of their bosses to uh, the, the people who, who make their company work. Because when we get a surprise, a gift that, that's not something we felt entitled to, not something we believe that we earned, that's what gives us joy, right? And so the reason the Christian life should be a life of joy is because the Christian life is not about what we earn or deserve or achieve from God. It's not our, our relationship with God is not something we purchase by our obedience or by our sacrifice or by our service. It's purely a gift. It's based on the fact that a Savior has been born to us. A Savior has come and rescued us, and he entered into this life, and he paid for all of our sins, and he conquered death for all of us. And when our joy fades, one of the reasons for that is because we've lost track of the extent to which our relationship with God is 100% simply a gift from God. And uh, you know, that's why Paul in the book of Galatians, at one point he's talking to the Galatians about the fact that they've lost touch with, with God's grace. And he says to them in exasperation, he says, what has happened to all your joy? What has happened to all your joy? And I think sometimes the reason we lose touch with joy is because we start to feel like God owes us. Like we've made these sacrifices and we've tried to reform our life and we've tried to do the right thing. We're not making the destructive life choices that our friends and neighbors are. And so God should, should be doing better for us and, and things should be going better for us and we get, we get frustrated with that. But the, the path to joy is to remember that our relationship with God, and indeed our whole life, is based on a gift from God. And when we remember that, as we remember that, that's, that is the path to experiencing joy and living a life of joy. And to the extent that we forget that and start to feel like God owes us or we've, we deserve better than we're getting, that's the path to uh, misery and resentment, such as it goes. So now, having said all that, I, I need to before I conclude, offer a disclaimer, uh, because I know that there's nothing worse than coming to church and hearing a sermon on joy when you're on the brink of despair. And I, I know because I've, uh, I've heard those sermons, and, and I think I've even preached those sermons in the midst of that sometimes. And, uh, you know, not, nothing makes you feel worse when someone says, well, you're, you're, you know, if you have the fruit of the Spirit, you should have joy. And then and you're like, well, it's not working for me right now. And so I'm, I'm, for those of you who are feeling that right now, just, let me just say I, I already said a prayer for you because I know this, this is a challenge. It can be almost the, the worst kind of uh, self-righteousness or the worst kind of guilt when you feel like, you know, if I really believed, I wouldn't, wouldn't be feeling this uh, this bad and so but I would just challenge you not to give up on this because I think there is regardless of where you're at right in this moment there is a path to joy and you can find that path to joy and you might need some help you might need a friend or a counselor or someone to help you get there but 
But the promise of joy as the New Testament describes it is something that's available to everybody, regardless of where they're at, regardless of the struggles that they face, regardless of the challenges in life. If they tune into and become aware of and are able to apply the grace of God to those circumstances. So, so this is something sometimes, it, you know, it's a barometer of, of where we're at spiritually and where we're at personally. Like Paul says to the Galatians, what has happened to all your joy? And so it, it's, it's actually an indicator that, that we need to go deeper. And maybe, we need, maybe you, you do need to talk to someone and get some help and get some guidance and get some support in this pursuit. The ultimate guide, of course, is our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came, whose coming, and whose life, and whose death, and whose resurrection is the good news of great joy for all the people. And even though that was his life, and that was his message, as you read the life of Christ, one of the things you discover is that he faced a lot of challenges. He faced a lot of difficulties. He even cried out and prayed, and his prayers weren't answered. He experienced the rejection of his friends. He even experienced alienation from God in, in, in his darkest hour. But the resurrection shows that ultimately God has the power to undo all of the tragedies that we experience in our life. And ultimately, all of the tragedy and all the brokenness will be reversed. And that's the hope that we that we that we live with the resurrection of Jesus means that God is going to reverse the biggest evils the biggest curses the biggest losses the biggest pains that we experience and that's the promise and power of the savior and that's where we need to seek our joy you know if life was easy if joy was natural frankly we wouldn't need Jesus. We just would, would have, have it intrinsically in, in life. But because life is hard, because it's a challenge, that is our opportunity to apply the dynamics of the gospel to our life, to experience a joy that transcends. What the joy I'm talking about is not natural. It's not circumstantial. It's supernatural, and it's based on the good news that Jesus has come. And... The song we're about to sing is familiar to many of you, and one of the verses goes like this. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the grounds, because he came to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found, as far as the curse is found, as far as, as far as, as far as the curse is found. And that's why there's joy to the world. Let's pray. Father, I, I, pray, I pray for my friends here today who aren't feeling that joy, for whom the uh, message on joy sounds alien and almost sounds uh, apostate to their experience. I, I just pray that somehow the grace of Christ, the presence of the Spirit, would communicate and would share that to them. pray this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's stand... Or, or let's uh, 